we gather together at the beginning of the day, collectively set our intention. We join together as a single group, join our voices together in a, a single sound, direct our attention towards the, the triple gem. Expressing our respect, our commitment to use these qualities as our guiding principles. And recollecting these essential teachings. Often I consider that uh, all the information that we need as human beings to be completely liberated is here in the morning chanting. This is all that's required. If we just know this, understand this, digest this, practice this, embody this, then liberation will be realized. This is all we need to know. Not much. It's not a lot of information that's required. simply what is here in this small package but it needs to be fully internalized fully actualized made real brought to life through our practice during the course of the day here in this moment Recollecting these observations, body is not self, body is impermanent. Rupang anichang, physical form, rupa, internal or external, whether it's our own body, whether it's a building, a tree, a planet. Rupa, physical form, is changing. Vedana, feelings, pleasant, painful, neutral feelings, sensations. Anichang, they change. Sanya, what we see, hear, smell, taste, touch. Sanya is changing. Sankara, Thought, memory, intentions, plans, imagination, moods, emotions. Anichang, transient, uncertain, unstable, empty. Vijnana, discriminative consciousness. Vinyanang Anichang. Consciousness is changing. The objects of attention constantly changing, moment by moment. Now, these are not principles just to be believed, 
but they are ways of examining our experience, looking at how our mind represents the world. Our experience, moment by moment, is how our mind <coughs> constructs the world. How, out of sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch, our mind fabricates an image of the world, moment by moment. So in a way we don't experience the world itself, we experience our mind's representation of the world, built out of body consciousness, feeling consciousness, perception, thinking, concepts. What is experienced, what is known moment by moment? is our mind's representation of the world. What we experience is a fabricated representation, a fabricated image of the world. And that image is constantly changing and empty of self. And these qualities of anicca, dukkha, anatta, change or uncertainty, unsatisfactoriness, dukkha, anatta, not self, empty of self and what belongs to a self. We're not trying to make ourselves believe these to be true, taking them as articles of faith, but rather they are tools to explore our experience. Is this permanent or is it not? Is it changing or is it not? Is it not? Is this memory, this idea, completely satisfactory? A sweet memory of a beautiful occasion. You might think, well that was the absolutely perfect holiday, that was the perfect day. How could that be dukkha? That was the most sublime, unique, perfect of occasions. How could that be dukkha? So we're not trying to make ourselves believe that we were really miserable at that time. But we explore and look. And as we reflect, we can see oh, even the sweetest of occasions, the most glorious of moments, its unsatisfactoriness lies in the fact that it, it can't make us completely and permanently happy. We can see that its perfection, its beauty, then made everything else around it inferior, or less pleasing. Or 
not up to the, the same quality of delight, can never quite match the other days, the other holidays, the other events. They can never quite match that wonderful day, that wonderful moment. So that which was sweet and delightful, right there in that, you can see how it's a, a cause for dissatisfaction, a cause for dukkha. Again, not trying to make ourselves believe this, but seeing how that works. Something that, something that we prize as being most beautiful and precious, delightful. Absolutely pure and good. You see, that can be a cause for dukkha when something comes along and insults it. Says that uh, it's ugly or foolish. Not beautiful. Not pure. Deluded. We love the Buddha and admire his teachings above all things. When someone then says the Buddha is a fool, the Buddha was wrong. Right there, even hearing those words, the Buddha was a fool? How can he say that? Dukkha. Are these principles of Anicca, Dukkha, Anatta, they are means of exploring our experience, of examining our habits of identification, attachment, our habitual views, looking at what we take to be self, things that belong to ourself, my memories, my ideas, my body, my experience, my practice, my insight my defilements. The principle of anatta, not self, is not a belief. It's not trying to make ourselves believe that we have no self, but rather a lens through which to explore that feeling of I-ness, me-ness, minus. What is it here that feels there's a me who's talking? There's a me who's blowing, blowing my nose. A me who's hearing these words. What is it that owns these sensations in my knees? Is there an owner? How does any being really own anything? in any substantial, absolute, and real way. How can anything be truly owned? What would it be that does the owning, the possessing? So these qualities of anicca, dukkha, anatta, they are tools with which to explore, to examine our experience, our habitual relationship to the mind, the body, the world. To look and see.
there that supports for looking inward, vipassana, seeing inwardly. When we examine in that way, explore. So we ask ourselves a question, what is it here that is the owner of this feeling in my leg? What is that? Is there an owner? So when there is that active looking and exploring, that's the the method of vipassana. And then the change of heart, that opening, that realization, that expansion of vision, when there's the clear seeing of, oh, how could there be an owner? How could there be a me, a separate individual, who's the possessor of an object? How could that be? Of course there isn't. Huh. That change of heart. That is the genuine quality of insight. The clear seeing itself. The seeing of reality itself. And that's what the the purpose of this kind of practice is. It's this change of heart, change of vision, seeing our lives, seeing the world in a radically different way. Now it's easy to fall into the habit of judging the practice as good meditation, bad meditation, good sitting, bad sitting. Walking meditation is going well, the sitting is going badly. Sitting is going well, the walking is going badly. During the formal practice, I've really got it together, but then outside of the, the formal periods, then my mind is all over the place. It's really bad. Be aware of the mind judging experience in this way. This is a a, a false division. Because, as I was saying at the very start of the retreat, the intention is to learn from everything. Wished for, not wished for. Expected, unexpected. Pleasant or painful. Ajahn Chah used to often say, liking and disliking are of equal value. Chop, my chop, tautagan. Whether we like it or we don't like it, it's not the point. Liking and disliking are of equal value as a source of insight, a source of wisdom.
Now certainly we recognize that the mind in a concentrated, peaceful state, filled with wholesome qualities and uh, generating insight, that's a beneficial, wholesome quality. But if we attach to that, we identify with that, grasp it, even insight and clarity becomes a cause of suffering. It's a wholesome quality, a beautiful quality, but that's not the point. The point is to learn from it. When the mind is confused and busy, caught up in agitated proliferations, wrapped up in old anxieties and doubts, regrets, resentments, filled with aversion and restlessness, we might think, oh, this is really bad, my practice is falling apart, I'm totally caught up. But the mind which can recognize, well, these are really unwholesome states, so the mind is really caught up here. That which is recognizing unwholesomeness is not unwholesome. That which is recognizing entanglement, the mind being caught up, that which knows it is not caught up. Right there, there is mindfulness. There's wisdom. The recognition that my mind is all over the place. My mind is agitated, busy, can't sit still. Right there is the establishment of mindfulness. Even though the object is agitated, busy, that which knows it is not caught up in that. That which knows that, is aware of that, is the pathway of release from it. So don't be caught in these judgments of things going well, things going badly. All of us experience different patterns of, of mood and feeling. During the course of a day, the course of a sitting. It's like the weather. Moods change. Feelings change. Things ripen at different times. So it can be that the first few days of a retreat is just one long, delightful, continuous exhalation. Ah. Just the contrast of your busy working life and everything being put down, the bliss of relief as you put your pile of luggage down. And then after a few days, the contrast between the, the busy working time and the retreat time can have uh, run its course. And then uh, long-standing attachments and preoccupations can then rise to the surface. 
It's not that anything is going wrong with your practice. It's just that long-standing habitual attachments have finally got a chance to be looked at. They've got a bit of room to come to the surface. So it's not like things were going well and you were peaceful and now it's going badly because there's agitation. It's more just different things have different causes to arise and appear at different times. The exact, precise causes for everything that we experience are are not knowable. They're incalculably complex. All of the elements of karma and its results, this is one of the imponderables, the achinteya. It's too complex to figure out. Too many dimensions, too many factors playing into the equation. It's achinteya, it's imponderable. But we don't need to calculate or figure out exactly why, at this moment, this particular feeling is manifesting. Why suddenly, at this moment, all obstructions fall away and the mind is bright and clear, open, blissful. Or how when everything was just dandy, suddenly there's this raging irritation, this lurid fantasy, this agonizing memory, this ferocious agitation in the body. Sometimes things seem to just come out of nowhere. We can't say exactly what has caused them. But what we can say is that they can be met with the, the heart of, of wisdom. Satipanya, mindfulness and wisdom that knows this is changing. This is unsatisfactory. This is not self. What can I learn from it? This beautiful feeling, this terrible feeling, this mundane feeling, is it changing? Is it satisfactory? Can it please me permanently? Does it have an owner? Is it who and what I am? What can be learnt from the the presence of this thing. What's it teaching me? I guarantee that we can always relate to every experience in that way, if we take the trouble to. Thus it's always important, helpful, to bear this in mind. Liking and disliking are of equal value. Things coming together, things falling apart, of equal value. Everything will teach us if we let it. 